I'm going to talk a bit about the Sabbath through a traditional Jewish perspective, and we talk about what's quote-unquote traditional. I have to set that stage for you. So when I say traditional Judaism, you might think of synagogue, a certain kind of synagogue though, right? Like maybe a Long Island conservative synagogue that was like erected in the 1950s. And when I say traditional, a lot of people imbue meaning there. And so the first thing before I give you what Sabbath and Judaism and sex have to say, I need to lay a land of what I mean when I say Jewish. So when we're talking about the Sabbath and the laws around the Sabbath, from my perspective, we're looking at the Torah as the centerpiece, as like the people of the book. And the people of the book created all different iterations of practice and synagogue and there's the, the rabbinic permutation, there's pre-rabbinic permutations, and then there's host cultures throughout the world where this Torah and the practices that were derived from it erupted and then retreated and then erupted and retreated through traumatic shifts of immigration and diaspora and genocide. And so there's this whole impacted system that comes from an origin point of Torah. That's my centerpiece definition of what Judaism is, is this people of the book concept that we are an evolving entity that shifts and changes around Torah. So we're looking at the Sabbath, and the Sabbath in particular around sexuality. And so over the years, sex and the Sabbath has meant different things for different religious sects of Judaism. And so we're looking at specifically, when I say traditional Judaism, today I'm talking more about American iterations of orthodoxy. And we're talking about Chabad, let's just say, as like a, there's a big stronghold of Chabad in the East Bay and in San Francisco. That's one very simple, heteronormative, basic Jewish group that is using traditional law as it's passed down through a rabbinic ordination that's male-dominated. So that's, that's what I'm talking about when I say traditional. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm privying it over another, but it's a, it's a worldview. Um, and I just want to pepper this like arena that we're talking about, that there's multiple worldviews inside of Judaism. So that's one. And then we have the Jews who are really interested in reinvigorating priestess practices in the East Bay. And then we have queer Jews who are doing great things with egalitarian synagogue. And then we also have conservative Jewry, and we have reform Jewry. We have secular humanists who don't believe in God and have Torah on like a regular table with no like hoopla around it. These are all Judaisms that we honor and respect. But traditional, when I speak of it, I'm speaking about that one group that is following law in a certain way using halacha, which is this for those of you that don't know, it's like a derivation of practices that are drawn out from Torah through the eyes of rabbis who were in a sort of coalition over the years that shifted and changed what the rules were that were coming out of Torah. And the sanction and like the ruleness of it comes from who you follow. So if you follow that rabbi's rule, that rule applies to your body. If you don't, it don't, okay? So when it comes to sex and the Sabbath, it's a huge thing if you are, we're just going to use, it's just our figurehead is this Chabad thing. It just helps us, we're grounding there. It's, it's not better or worse. If you're a Chabad Jewish woman, for two weeks a month, you do not sleep with your partner. You are not touched by your partner. And your partner is male, and you only have ever touched them inside of marriage. For two weeks, for the seven days roughly that you bleed as a menstruating woman, and for the seven days after, um, and these are, again, cisgender normative binaries that are just completely encoded in their cultural norm. The seven days after, you are also not to be touched because you're deemed impure. And we can talk about that later, what that means and how to interpret that for a modern era. And then you go to mikvah, which is a lot of what Nikki Green's work is about in this purification process. And then you emerge and you can be touched again. On the Sabbath, which is what we're here to talk about, there is this rule that you are to sleep with your partner. Why? Why is it a double mitzvah on Shabbat to have sex with your partner? Pardon the, the terminology, but that's what, that's what our terminology is. The reasoning is, is that on that day, your soul is higher. 
And depending on how you measure, if we're going to use Chabad ideology that derives itself some from Kabbalism, which is like a spiritual mystical um, concept world, but also from mysticism and coming down like from um, Hasidism, which is the spiritual practice of joy and raising the body up and using a lot of different ideas from different places, especially from a group of rabbis that were in the mountains in Sfat many, many years ago, like roughly 400. Um, no, now it's about 600 years ago. They created all these practices that are really about like raising the spirits. They were sort of like the Berkeley hippies of the Jewish universe. And so on Shabbat, the idea is that one of the ideas in this Kabbalistic lore is that the Godhead from above is this, is this lovely male figure, this masculine energy, and then in the earth, there's this strange Shekhinah energy of this woman who's her, this, it's like God's bride who he can't get near, and they're, they're broken, right? And the other idea in Kabbalah is this idea that we're all, in a, we're all enclosed and encased in a shell, and it's called a klipot, and the ideal with all of our spiritual practices is that we rupture it, and we like open it until we're all one like fluid shard of light. So on Shabbat, the idea is that you go and you sleep with your partner because you have just done this work of emptying your system. And if, you ever, if you're into um, yoga, there's something in yoga called the shashumna, which is the spinal column, basically, that the idealism in yoga in, some, in, in one element is that you empty it so that the energy can flow through so that you are a column of light for others. So the same idea on Shabbat, that you've emptied yourself, you've stopped your work, you've filled yourself with good food, and then you go and you have this like, communion with your partner, which is really a three-way between you, your partner, and God. And in that moment, you bring the Shekhinah and the Godhead that are estranged, and they come through you. Together, they come into your body, and you become this vessel for God's unification. And so then the idea is that your pleasure and your procreation, Jewish sex laws are so much about procreation historically, in this exciting procreative moment, you have just brought more divine light into the world. So that is this, that's the double mitzvah of Shabbat. On the Sabbath, you should sleep with your, your heterosexual partner and create a baby because God's light is shining through you. So one of the things that I've done with my work over the years is look at, okay, well, what if I don't believe in marriage? What if I'm not a cisgender woman? What if I'm not interested in um, heterosexual, what if I'm not even interested in monogamy? Do these laws have any place in my life? Um, so what we look at over the permutation of religion and the permutation of law is not only how do I adapt these laws, but there's a second question. So that's one question is what do I do with these laws if I don't, if I don't fit the mold of a Chabad woman wearing my wig and, and concealing my body and making sure that I am for my husband and no one else? What if I'm not that woman? So that's here. And over here is what if after all these years I grew up in a Jewish household? Um, let's say I like the Long Island one. It's my favorite reference. So we all grew up in Long Island together. We went to a conservative synagogue where we had to walk through a Holocaust memorial to get to God. And it's, it's, I know the synagogue. It's like a mausoleum. You walk through it. You don't forget ever that everybody was murdered before you were born. And then you're supposed to make a Jewish baby with your partner. So. Besides the fact that it's possible that your body can't make a baby or that you are not interested in babies because it's against your ethos because today we have overpopulation, the other possibility is that you went into synagogue in the mausoleum shul on Long Island to go to synagogue every day with your Hebrew school after school, like learn the alphabet thing, but no one ever told you about your body and no one ever talked about what I just told you about sex. And a big piece of modern American Jewry, not the groups that we have right now that are resurrecting the, the hidden pieces. You know, like if we go to a renewal, um, which is from Rabbi 
you know, it's the Boulder originated Reb Zalman's Shachter Shalomi. You know, he talked about sex. He brought the body back in. That's cool. He also came from an origin of Hasidism, which means that he had that, what I was talking about, like that Chabad Godhead thing. He learned the sex laws, and he already had that impression. But over here, most of us who grew up in Long Island together, all of us, um, we did not learn. There was just no learning of the body because part of the Jewish response to trauma is to redefine, and re just like we talked about at the beginning, there's this Torah and this origin. As different things permutate, we redefine how we can, re we can represent ourselves in the world. What's safe to say? How can we assimilate? How does this like white host culture that's Christian, not Jewish, wanting us to be a certain way, can we fit it, be ourselves, and also continue forward? Our sexual laws did not fit what was going on in this country in the 1950s. When, when a lot of Judaism, I mean, my, my narrative is a little skewed because Judaism did not arrive after the Holocaust in the United States. It had been here for a long time. So this is just my like fantasy narrative. But the point is that the laws that were ebbing and flowing in this country were based on Victorianism. And if any of you have read Foucault's The History of Human Sexuality, there's a lot of, there's this Victorian thrust in this country, and then there's the backlash where we think we're free, but we're really attaching ourselves in a way to what was originally clamped down. So we're like, oh, look, I'm Kim Kardashian, and I can put my naked body on Instagram, and it's okay every single day because we are sexually free, but really she's alluding in her freedom to a repression. And so we entered as Jews into that narrative with our iteration of how can Torah evolve right now? How, can we, how, are, how are we going to be accepted in this culture if we tell everybody that they can't have sex two weeks a month, that women are impure when they bleed, and, and without explaining and defining all of that? So one is how do we define the sexual laws for ourselves if we don't fit the norm, right? I think that was one. And the other one is what about if we never were taught them? So one, of the, so one of the paradigmatic issues is that if we're in this Long Island synagogue and we are, okay, let's just say I grew up there and I was like, okay, I'm a cisgender female, I'm gonna marry a man, I'm gonna do what they told me to, but how am I gonna get the understanding to do any of it if they never taught me about the laws? So there's two things. One, the laws are a problem, and two, the laws weren't taught. So then that leaves us here, somewhere in between laws and being a problem and laws not being taught, and this being, both of those issues, what Jewish tradition around the Sabbath is. Okay, so what I've done with my contemporaries over the years is really look closely at these laws. If you read Torah, it's not as bland as it seems. First of all, there are hundreds and hundreds, literally hundreds and hundreds of references to other genders besides our, our like male, female, sex and gender binary that America has constructed in Jewish concepts. We've borrowed from Christianity a lot. That's not Judaism. Torah in and of itself has, like the word androgen is a Hebrew word. There's all kinds of complexities, not just in physical makeup of male, female, like in between this, that, and the other, but there's also in gender representation and how whether somebody wants to show themselves as female or feels that they're female or wants to dress sometimes as this and that, it's all referenced. And so the point is that it's, it's in our lexicon, but we aren't learning it. In our lexicon around Sabbath, around sexuality, is an entire wealth of a tradition that we don't know about because of a whole host of reasons. One is our host culture. One is what did trauma do to what we feel we're allowed to speak about in public. Another one is they're not relevant anymore. A lot of these laws were about let's procreate so that we can have a tribe, so that we have an army, so that we can dominate and destroy our enemies because we are a small faction and we need to grow. I totally sanctioned that. I would have heteronormative sex if it meant I needed to help make an army to survive. But survival in that particular way is no longer an imperative. So then what do we do with laws that don't actually apply to our bodies 
in that way. So Judaism has evolved with this concept of halacha over the years. You all okay? I'm going fast, but you're okay? You with me? Okay. Halacha is this concept of laws. There's like hundreds of Shabbat laws. It's not just sleep with your partner. There's hundreds of them. Do not tear anything. Do not write anything. Do not carry anything. Do not carry anything out of the Arab, which is like, an, there's like a, a sanctioned limit of where you can like carry a pot of spaghetti to your friend's house. Do not cook on the Sabbath. Do not light fire on the Sabbath. Hundreds, literally hundreds of laws. One of them being be with your wife. Okay? So on, all those laws are, are passed down. Not, they're not just like, oh, the book said. It's not like Torah said, hey, if you're going to grow up in Borough Park, Brooklyn, I want to make sure that if on Shabbat your friend comes to the door, do not let them ring the doorbell. Torah didn't talk about that. It also never said, if you're going to ride the elevator on Shabbat, it's okay if a Christian person walks in the room and pushes the button for you, but you can't push the button. But if the elevator is pre-programmed to stop on every single floor on Shabbat, then that is okay. That is halacha today. The rabbis evolved based on our electric culture. So there's something called the blech. And the blech is basically a hot plate. You can leave that hot plate on the entire weekend, which isn't the smartest because it can actually be very dangerous. But you can leave that on if it means heating your food that's already been cooked. Those are nuanced shifts. Or you can make tea as long as the tea kettle boils. And you put the tea, you pour the water in the cup first, and then you put the tea bag in. But if you put the tea bag in before the water, then you are creating on the Sabbath and you are violating law. These evolutions are not Torah. These are halakha that rabbis decided over the years. So if they can shift laws around electricity, and they can shift laws around how you cook your food on a Sabbath, then they can also shift laws around bodies that, sh that fit a different social system, just like the electricity does. So one of the things that I've done with my contemporaries, people like Jess Minnan, who everyone should know about, she's the rabbi that founded Open Table, and also she just founded Seven Wells in New York, which is an adult sex education program, or um, Sarah Waxman, who's here in the Bay, and she does At the Well, and these Rosh Chodesh groups for women. There's all kinds of really wonderful things happening that are really, really important, but one of the things we look at is, how can we draw from these laws, from the Sabbath, and still get a spiritual high from Judaism, even if we don't fit the bill? And the answer is looking at creation, basically what, what the Sabbath double mitzvah is, is sanctioned creation. It's saying, okay, if you bring God into it, and you both have kavanah, which is intention, the Hebrew for intention, if everybody comes really clear, I'm, I am touching your body because I want to know you biblically. The, the biblical word when Adam and Eve slept together in the Garden of Eden was Adam knew Eve. It wasn't like Adam like, got it with Eve, it was Adam learned her. So that lovemaking was something about knowing the other, and it was about intimate connection and about this really incredible knowing of the other. Not everything has to be that way, but that's the sanctioned thing on Shabbat. The double mitzvah is, can you come together and know another? What if you just Tinder on Shabbat and you don't have a partner? Like, what if on a Friday night you're getting on Bumble and saying, like, come on over? Can that still be sanctioned? And the question is, what can we glean from this? So one thing is gleaning kavanah, gleaning intention, making it so that on the Sabbath, when you come together with another person, that it's not about being not present to yourself and not present to them, but about fully embodying who you are and who they are and consent and language and dialogue. That is, in, in my opinion, the double mitzvah today. Is if, what if every day of the week you just sort of like bump into people on BART and you go around and you drink a lot of coffee even though it hurts your stomach, but on Shabbat you stop and you like have some more water and you, you're conscious of where your limbs are going. Am I hitting someone? Did she just say no when I know that she meant yes? Did she, can I ask what she really means? Did he seem like he was doing this because he wanted to be cool? Can I ask him, does this feel good? That to me is a double mitzvah. 
Then there's also the question of creation. So that was like a sanctioned, beautiful time. God, I, I really love this image of like the threesome with God. So God like comes in and it's like a nice time and then they have a good time. And then in lore, your baby is supposed to be better looking if you love your partner the most on Shabbat. So like anybody that's ugly, you can be like, oh, your parents didn't have good, no, just kidding. Okay, so, so then, <laughs> ugliness is relative. Um, so, just kidding. So then, on the idea is in creation. So this is one of the ideas that I really love. So Jessmine and I talked about this a lot, which is that let's say you have somebody in your life who, if you spend time with them, you're more likely to do good. And let's say if you if you spend time with them actually, and let's say you like even you kiss them, let's just say, and then the next day you wake up and you can creatively produce things that help this world, or that you're an activist and you're doing things with groups that really need help that your energy is like filled up, your light is renewed because you chose well, that is the lesson that we glean from, from, from these Shabbat laws, that we can choose at any moment how we relate ourselves to Judaism. And the, the idea um, that the rabbis give when you read Torah, like the rabbis, the group of dudes that have for a long time, you know, there's pre-Rabbinic Judaism and there's post-Rabbinic, and um, the Kohenet Priestess Institute is resurrecting a lot of things that were pre-Rabbinic that were sort of washed over by the way that the maleness worked and the way that, you know, there was just like a lot of, of, of patriarchal circle drawing that pushed certain things out. So when you read Torah, if you go to yeshiva, um, this is my closing points, um, if you go to yeshiva and you read Torah, you're going to do something called um, pardes. You'll learn this, in, this very intense Jewish concept of four worlds, pshat, remez, drash, and sod, that when you, when you read one sentence, like Adam knew Eve, you will read it from four perspectives. The simple meaning, the hidden meaning, the mystical meaning, like the lesson that you can derive, and everything is at least four-dimensional. So what I want to leave you with is when you hear Jewish laws and you hear things that seem like, oh, that is so misogynist, it is. It's really horrible to say that a woman is akin to a dead body or a bleeding pig when she is bleeding. And it's actually feminist. And those things coexist, and that is so hard to fathom. In addition, it's neither. And it's a third category as well. Everything has multitudes in it when it comes to these laws. It depends on where we sit. If I sit in the Chabad room and I put like my lesbian friends over there who are not included in that room, it can look pretty terrible. But if I can glean from them and then go over to this room and still hold the whole complex mangle matrix of Judaism within myself, which is a huge world, then I can know things more and complex and I can own the laws for myself. And that's my ideal, is that on Shabbat, that we are able to have this double mitzvah and we're able to have this sanctioned communion that includes, okay, that's so horrible that they said that about women when they bleed, but at the same time, wow, there's a sanctioned break from being touched. There's, it says you cannot ever sleep with your husband when you're drunk. It says a man must return and make sure that she's satisfied. It says do not ever, ever, ever stay married after six months if the woman is not feeling pleasure. That's in our ketubah today. And those laws can be seen as keeping a woman like a cow procreating and procreating. Those are both true. So we look at nuance, we choose nuance, and we choose Judaism to not be the thing that was passed down in our mausoleum synagogue that we found in Long Island where we were told that prayer was really about remembering the murder of Jews. That prayer is still going to be about God, and we can remember that and we can move forward at Shabbat and have a really, really nice time drawing in the most high energy for ourselves to break out of those Kabbalistic klipot, these like little bulbs that keep us from being our full selves. We break those open, we bring ourselves into the most light so that we, as a people of the book, 
people of the Torah can be light unto the world.